Welcome to another great episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life and society, and vice versa. Coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin, and joining me as always is my good friend Sean in Indiana. Hey everyone, how you doing? Hey, before we go full super soldier on this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, and follow us on social media at Caption Life on both Twitter and Instagram. You can also find more info about us and past episodes at podpage.com slash the caption line. Okay, we're bringing you a very special episode tonight to chat about the season finale of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Since it's uh, the finale aired yesterday and it's fresh in our memory, we thought we'd sit down and share our thoughts on what we saw, what we liked, uh, and maybe what we didn't. Uh, so let's uh, we'll just kick things off a little uh, ping pong conversation, a little discussion. Sean, let me, tell me what, what you thought. What was your... Big impression. Yeah. So um, I really loved the series. I thought this was a fantastic series. It actually really surprised me because I did not think it was going to be um, as great as it was. So I, coming off the heels of WandaVision, I thought I was going to have a hard time doing really well because WandaVision, I think, was just something that everyone was really excited for for a number of reasons and, and really loved because it had a lot of implications for the MCU. I know that you and I had, you know, texted each other whenever we watched an episode and just talked about like how great it was. And it seems like every episode was like better than the last one and everything. So I just thought that Falcon Winter Soldier was going to have a hard time following up on that, but it actually like just blew me out of the water. And I feel like it's actually, I love that show a lot more than WandaVision. I love WandaVision. So I thought it was a really great series overall. And, um, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but I thought it had some really great themes for everyone who watches it uh, to really participate in the conversation and kind of think about it and that it presents these topics in a really insightful way that we mm-hmm. probably haven't Absolutely. seen in the MCU and in any other way. So like, you know, the prominent themes about, um, you know, PTSD and veteran veterans affairs, um, racism, uh, good and evil type of things, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And so I thought they did a really good job of carrying that conversation through and having um, a great perspective and a great way to present that to the audience that um, I thought was really impactful because I know after every episode I watch, I would go on social media like Twitter or TikTok and see what people were saying about it. And I felt like it started conversations that we probably never had about the MCU in the past. And I think it's a really good thing. So um there are a couple of things I had I do take issue to <laughs> to well, before, a couple of it. Before, so it's, before you get it too deep into it, I, I right I need to throw the challenge which I flag. Wasn't. <laughs> I need to throw the challenge flag because I'm going to disagree with you that I kind of liked Wandavision more. Okay, <laughs> uh, not th- like as a standalone entity. I think that the Falcon and Winter Soldier was great. Uh-huh. Uh, however, because it's part of the MCU and WandaVision has more is going to have more of an impact on the future of the MCU, or at least it seems that way right, right. now. Uh, it, it, to me, maybe it was just the tease at the end of WandaVision. Uh, you know, what, what's what it set up for the future. Maybe that's why I like it. I'm recalling it more fondly than the Falcon and North soldier. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but I, I really did. I, I loved the, I loved the series, uh, too. Um, and I agree with a lot of all of those other things that you were saying, but but I I, I think that I don't know that I liked one division more, okay, <laughs> and that's fine, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I uh, I will tell you what I don't like about either one of them is that I don't like the episodic nature and having to wait uh, a week. <laughs> I, 
I wish that you wanted uh, to drop it all at once, like Netflix, right? Yeah, I, I need, I need that. Like, it's, I, I, it's one of the reasons why I don't read as much comic books anymore is because I don't like the serial nature of having to wait a week or wait a month for the next for the next episode. Um, right. I like to read the the trade so that I can consume as much of it as possible. Um, right. But yeah, no, no, it was it was hard to wait a week, especially like between episode five and six, because episode six essentially just picks up right in the middle of the climax. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, my my wife would agree with you because she's the same way. She wants to see all the series like it, it's funny because, um, you know, from um, ever since we've been together through now, I remember like our watching patterns kind of went through like a really interesting um cycle where you know we would get like all the seasons on dvds right and then netflix came around and then you know that's how we binge and now she's like i only do you know digital and i only want to watch all the you know um i only want to watch all the whole season if all the episodes are available so she would so, you know agree so with has you she watched has she watched the falcon and winter soldier yeah she watched it okay, with so- me yeah yeah so she yeah so she uh has seen all of them and and uh i i will say that you know given my choice like i would love to see it all back to back but i also know that it's a pretty smart marketing move for disney and marvel because it's creating and generating a lot more buzz from the longer term as opposed to when you look at you know when netflix uh, drops everything all at once you know it creates some buzz for like maybe a couple of weeks and then it kind of fizzles out whereas this it's like it's really smarter than my thing i, I think it's really effective but i i'm with you in that i'd rather just see it all in a row but i i didn't mind um, having there, it drop like week by week because then I can actually participate in discussions with other people like you or other people on social media about right. the episodes too. They're finding that perfect sweet spot mm-hmm. between the streaming service and the traditional like television release format. Right. So yeah, I agree. All right. So uh, you know they did they touched on a lot of uh, a lot of important stuff that we want to we want to get into, um, especially some of the social issues that. They go along with uh, what happened in um, episode six with with Sam becoming Captain America. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I really felt. I really felt that the that the show did um, a good job with like with tackling those those issues and 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 mm-hmm. and kind of. It, it mirrored what's going on in the United States a little bit, but but they they did they did like touch on things directly. And I remember, um, I guess it was the a second episode when they went to go visit Isaiah Bradley for the first time that right. there was the issue with the police officer outside and they were harassing Sam. And then about a week later, I read an article that said, or that somebody, somebody had posted something that 80% of the country had turned, had turned their TVs off at that point. Like they could, they could magically know that, that America wasn't going to stand for like this, um, that that they were just perpetrating the myth that the police officers harass black people at a disproportionate, uh, oh really? Disproportionate rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he I must and it have was something that. big on social media. Yeah, he had he had claimed that that he could prove that like most of the people that were watching the episode turned it off at that point. And I was like, <laughs> you don't know comic book fans very well because that's not true. Um, right. Even when we don't like what we're seeing, we still stick it out. That's why DC's made so many movies. uh but but although he he could probably disney could probably actually back that up because i'm sure they can track and see like when people you know disney could but i don't think for a second that it's true you're assuming that 80 percent of the people in the united states 
are just so are so like caught off guard by the fact that the police officer wants to know why the black guy is harassing the white guy. Right. Like they're they're arguing, but the only person that they are targeting is is the black guy. That that's not that that's not real enough for people that that they can that they're just going to turn turn it off. I doubt that. That's, I know. Yeah. That's, no, I agree. That's with a that. farce. Yeah. But but I think that that all of those things they kind of folded that into the story. They folded those elements into the story without it making without it being specifically about racism in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the the themes of the 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 refugees wanting to find a place where they belong, right, and and things like that. I think that that I think that that spoke to the nature of our of our issues without calling out our issues so specifically. Right. Yeah. And I I, I agree because I think what this show did, um, you know, on a number of levels when it comes to having a dialogue about racism is that, um, I mean, there's so many directions I can go with this, but I think the, the really, um, thing that I was impressed with the most is that it actually created like almost like a character development about racism throughout the entire series. And so like, when you look at episode one and two and three, like it, it's very subtle, which is how racism is now. Right. I mean, people who think racism is a problem is because they always point to like how, you know, this or that doesn't happen anymore. And those are like blatant racism. And they think that institutional racism isn't a thing or that, uh, you know, subconscious bias is not a thing. Right. Um, but I mean, episode two was actually a perfect example and perfect way of how they sewed this into the conversation is because the one, um, scene that stuck with me the most is the same thing. What you had said is when they went to meet with Isaiah Bradley and they opened up with, uh, the two kids on the street that says, Hey, it's a black Falcon. And mm-hmm. Sam's like, I'm not black Falcon. I'm just Falcon, you know? And so they had that whole conversation. And then after he meets Isaiah Bradley and knows, you know, who he is and what happened to him, then he immediately walks out and starts yelling at Bucky and saying like, you're telling me that we had a black superhero and no one even knew about it. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right then and there that there are going to be some people that are going to say like, well, that's very hypocritical of Sam to say, because he was talking about how, you know, he's just Falcon, but now he's referring to the superhero as the black superhero. And I think they really missed the point that him being called the black Falcon was because him being black had nothing to do with him being Falcon. Right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Isaiah Bradley was treated the way he was as a superhero all has to do with the fact that he was black. Absolutely. And I think that's where people, you know, if they're making that argument that, you know, that was hypocritical or, you know, they're overreaching or whatever. And I think that was genius of Marvel to do because that's where the subtle racism and those subtle conversations about how people of color experience racism are sewed into the conversations that we have daily. And that's why, you know, people don't understand that, that, you know, there are differences. And I think people want to make it black and white and they don't realize that it's not black and white. It's very gray, but people of color have picked up on that a lot more because they experience it mm-hmm. on a more regular basis on an institutional basis than people who are white. So, yeah. Um, it, there's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of what, what Sam is going through is, or went through in the process of deciding to take up the mantle is like, is bearing the weight of the sh- of the shield, not like in a physical sense, but like in right. what it means in um, in its iconicism, that mm-hmm. uh, that like he knew his rationale is, is that he, that 
that he knew that uh, a major part of America wasn't going to be ready for him or didn't want him as Captain America. But right. he also recognized there's a big part of America that needed him as right. Captain America. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we, the, the ownership of the shield um, kind of like comes into comes into question there. Like, you know, it doesn't belong to the government. Sam gave it uh, to I mean, sorry, Steve gave it to Sam. Um, and there's, there's no like clear, like, you know, who decides, right? Like who decides mm-hmm. that he gets to be Captain America? He decided right. that he was Captain America and he did it on his own terms. And that's not really any different than, than Steve. It's like Steve was a commissioned army officer, but like he struggled with those, those decisions on who decides it's, you know, it's, it's the arguments that led to civil war. Like, you know, right. who, who makes these tough decisions? And like, I think for Steve, it was always like, you have to trust yourself enough mm-hmm. to make those tough decisions. And I think that that's finally the place where, where, um, where Sam got to. Right. Well, and, and even when Steve Rogers, when he was captain America, like it was a, it was a, uh, government propaganda at first, right? right? Like it wasn't like what we come to know and love today. And so Steve had to make captain America his own. And that's what, you know, Sam did in, in this series. And I think you hit right on the point of, you know, him, um, you know, bearing the weight of what it means to carry the shield. I think in the series, you saw that weight get heavier and heavier because of, you know, the more that events were developing and more that he learns about Isaiah Bradley and everything else that's happening around the world and around America. I think you just, you kind of see and sense that feeling, you know, it's getting heavier for him. And so when he does take it up, then, you know, it's a really powerful moment when he does. Yeah. It's, um, I think that, I think there's, it's a, I think it speaks a lot to the fact that there are probably situations all across the country every day where, uh, a, a, supremely qualified black person gets or a person of color gets oh, gets passed over for a job in oh, favor yeah. of in favor of a white man and right. um you know and at the very end you see you should have given me this job and, and it should have been me in the first place right and yeah. so yeah um, well and and you know um Isaiah Bradley and Captain and Steve Rogers Captain America is a prime example of that you know race playing a role in that right cuz Isaiah Bradley and Steve Rogers essentially did the same thing in that they disobeyed government orders mm-hmm. and they went and saved their brothers in arms. Right. And what happened? Isaiah Bradley got thrown into jail and Steve Rogers was commended and promoted and mm-hmm. became, you know, an actual active military Sup- superhero. Member, right? Yeah. Military yeah. superhero. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking of Isaiah Bradley, can I just say like how much, like I love uh, Carl Lumbly as that character. Like yeah, he's like, can we just pencil him in for an Emmy and a Golden Globe for like best supporting actor? Oh, I know. Like just seriously, like the the depth that he brought to that character. So I yeah. love Carl Lumley, uh, and this is like my nostalgia talking, but he's the voice of Martian Manhunter on the mm-hmm. Justice League series from the nineties, right? And and so like there's just like such like a like a presence that he brings that his voice like like carries, but also like the emotion of like that, that he showed in that portrayal, not just that like the, the disappointment and the heartbreak of the way that he was treated, but also Mm -hmm. like through the embrace that he shared with, with Sam um, at the, at the end with this, with in front of the statue. So yeah, like big major props to whoever decided on, on casting 
uh, Carl Lumbly and and his performance. Definitely. Have you so so you know Isaiah Bradley's character is based on a Marvel comic series back in the nineties called Truth, Red, Right, and Black. Okay, I did not know that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so so that's where the character came in from. Is that there is a comic book series that was written by two um, um, two people of color. The writer, I believe, was of Afro Puerto Rican descent, and then the uh, the artist is a is a Black American and. It was written, in, I think, in the early 90s, if I remember correctly, maybe late mm-hmm. 90s. Or it could be actually early 2000s. Uh, so it looks like it was from early 2003. The, it was written by, that's right. written by Robert Morales and penciled yes. by Kyle Baker. Right. Yes, exactly. And um, it was a, a seven, um, seven series uh, comic. And so when I, you know, after I watched episode two and learned about Isaiah Bradley, I was like, okay, I got to go read the story. And Honestly, it was probably one of the best series in Marvel that I've read. It was really fascinating. It was, you know, it captured my attention. It brought in a lot of the elements that the Falcon Winter Soldier was bringing in as well, too, in terms of, you know, issues of, of racism and class inequities and, and things like that. And it was, it's really fascinating and really awe inspiring. So I would encourage anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't read um, Truth, Red, White, and Black, definitely go out and read it. You can read it on, Marvel Limited, if you have a digital description, or mm-hmm. if you, you know, go to the library, I'm sure the library probably has it, especially now and everything. But it is a great story to read through and just really fascinating. There's just a lot of elements that makes it a great story. So, and Appar- it's apparently, I'm looking online as we're talking about this. Apparently, that comic is worth a fortune now because of because its relevance <laughs> into the show. That that oh, always yeah. happens when they introduce a character into like a like uh, mass media show right. or movie the the first issue of that character in comic books goes sky high oh yeah definitely so well and what's interesting is that they pulled that inspiration from an actual event called the tuskegee um syphilis study where mm-hmm. what they did was they took um black african americans and told them that they were getting treated for syphilis but they really weren't because they wanted to study and see what happened to syphilis Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's left untreated, and that's kind of essentially where the comic book uh, story kind of took that direction, where you know the the African American troops were tested on and experimented on for the super soldier serum because they wanted to make sure that it was safe to give their white military members too. So it's so for the people that said like that would never happen, technically in history it did yeah. happen. So, <laughs> so here's the deal: at, at the end of at the end, and we can jump over to the things that we we don't we didn't like about it, but. I just want right. to say that because it ties in directly to what you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. The United States is not a great place. Like, you know, it's the greatest country in the world. We all talk about that all the time. And it's it's really it's really not that great. We have a terrible track record for things like this. But I think that that's one of the that that is one of the, the high points of the Sam's decision making is that he still recognizes it as a place that that can be great mm-hmm. based on what we put into it. Right. And um man, th- those kinds of stories, we have far too many stories like and that's a true story the the Tuskegee uh syphilis study. That's that's a tr- that's that really happened. That's not comic book fiction. Right. Um and 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 this show like as absolutely is a reflection of what is really happening in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, dang it, it's up to us to be better. Like, we just got to do better, right? Yeah, that that's exactly what Sam Wilson says, yeah. right? <laughs> we got to step up our game, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I seriously want to get a bumper sticker that says, my only superpower is knowing that we can be better. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of um, memorabilia that's going to yeah. be sold, you know, with that quote. And, and a lot of, I'm sure a lot of artists are going to use that quote as an uh, inspiration. I've got the first edition. I've got the first edition Sam Wilson, Captain America action figure that I might, I might think about selling to put my kids through college. Let's <laughs> see if it's worth something now, but right. <laughs> hey, uh, so let's, let's talk about some of the things that we weren't too high on with the, uh, with the show. Right. You got anything uh, in particular that stuck out to you? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's two things primarily, I, I you know, overall love the series, love the show. It's, you know, I, again, it's, it's my favorite one. I know one division is still your favorite one. This has just been my favorite one that the MCU has put out so far. Um, but the two issues I have, one is I felt like episode six was just rushed and poorly written. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think watching through it, I, I was kind of disappointed by the first time Sam Wilson said, I'm Captain America, because he just jumped into battle and just kind of said it randomly to like a, a military person right next to him. I feel like there was not a, a whole lot of buildup. Like usually in the, uh, and this is, I'm pulling my experience from the comics is that when they're taking a new mantle, like for example, Captain Marvel, when she took on, when Carol Danvers, Danvers mm-hmm. took on the mantle, you kind of saw that internal struggle, which you saw with episode five. But then when she like claims it, it's a huge deal. And I yeah, felt like this kind of missed like that the, mark. That's usually the splash page of the, of the next issue. Right. Like he's and got I felt the like, flag and he's planting it in the ground. He's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm Captain America. And right. it kind of, they kind of missed their like iconic hero moment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just felt like everything was just kind of really rushed and, and thrown in. And I think someone made the point that it was probably supposed to be a couple more episodes and they had to cut it short because of COVID. And so that probably makes sense. But it just wasn't my favorite in terms of development because I feel like everything was just kind of, you know, thrown in and resolved quickly at the end. Yeah. And and they just had to like say, like, here's, you know, here's the outcome. Boom. Instead of letting it kind of unfold, you know. For the sake of for the sake of character development, I liked that it was six episodes. Like because you got into a lot of it, you really got to explore the chemistry between um, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan's characters, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and mm-hmm. and and Daniel Bruhl as um, Zemo. Like Zemo is a is a was a high point for me. Like his they they made him a more three dimensional character in this in this series. Oh, yeah. and he became more likable. Like he's you you understood what he was going through before because he was fraught with um with heartbreak over the loss of his his family but mm-hmm. but like now you kind of you kind of understand his personality a little bit more and the role that he plays in in the series is 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 pretty great um right. on the flip side of that i'd have been happy if they'd have, they'd have trimmed a lot of that stuff and just made it a a 2 hour and 15 minute movie right yeah <laughs> cuz there were times where like there were times where it seemed like it dragged a little bit. Um, but there were, there were also times where, um, man, I wish they had spent more time on that. Right. Yeah. It's, and I think that's how everyone felt like when they watched the show, it's just like, it feels like, you know, this is a movie like chunked out basically, which, I, which is good because then that tells you it's cinematic and that it right. it's goal. Right. Um, but, but I'm telling you, I'm, I am shell shocked and I'm triggered still and i know that i've mentioned this about 17 times we've only done 30 episodes of the show and i've mentioned this <laughs> at least on half of the episodes but i just the ending of game of thrones has like ruined 
television for me because like we, you get to the end and you're afraid they're just going to drop the ball. Right. Like you're riding a high and you admitted it. Episode six was maybe one of the, the weakest, um, the weakest episodes, but yeah. you, you're riding that high. You love these characters. You cannot wait to see what happens next. And <laughs> then they're like, boom, 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 bang, 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 story over. Right. Right. And so, yeah. I know. and because, because we're in the situation we're in with like the delayed development of things, the rollout right. of, of things, we're not, like we have to wait a long time to the next thing that we're going to get. I mean, it could be three years before we see like, honest to goodness, it could be three years before we see uh, like the Captain America pop up in the MCU again. Right. Which, Just because you, you know, they've already confirmed that they're making a Captain America four movie. Absolutely. I'd love to see Captain yeah. America four. I think Captain America, I think Sam Wilson, Captain America deserves his, his own, his own movie. Yep. And just for anything, just so Anthony Mackie can go and, you know, point at Tom Holland and laugh in his face and be like, who is laughing now? Exactly. <laughs> right. They definitely need to tie that in. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anthony Mackie's Stan. Um, sorry. Anthony Mackie's um, Sam Wilson is its own entity separate from the characterization that he has in the comics. He's right. a little bit more stoic in the comics. Right. Um, right. But. But the chemistry that that I mean, I, he, I, he might be the catalyst of like the like the chemistry within the Marvel uh, community of like actors and whatnot, because mm-hmm. it just seems like he like, you know, he's in uh, he was in Ant-Man. His scene in Ant-Man is so good. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> and like it's like everybody that they pair him with. He just has a lot of a lot of chemistry. And um, and it's just it was a, it's it's amazing. Right. I know. I agree. So, hey, um, you know what I, you know what I didn't like? What? I, I didn't like Sharon Carter as the power broker. I think, I, I think that was weak sauce. That was the other thing I was going to say too. Yeah. Now, why did you not like her end up being the power broker? Because I don't understand her mindset for like betraying her country or like if it's, if it's about money, like I, I, I don't understand her, her motivation for it, but also right. I think it was poorly. Okay, so so you, I always feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe always knows what they're going to do next, mm-hmm. and I feel like they were like, let's put this twist in it, but they didn't really know where it was going to go because right. in episode three, she actually sends them to the the scientist that has the the super soldier serum, and it ends up costing her the super ser- soldier serum. Does that make right. sense to you? Like that's a huge plot hole. Is that right. she sent them? T- she sent Zemo specifically, who wants to do away with all super soldiers to the place right. where they could do away with the super soldier serum. And to me, that's just, it's a glaring plot hole that, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. Now it'd be interesting to see what happens in the future. Like she's a double agent or whatever. Maybe right. she's really a scroll like secret <laughs> invasion. That's what people are saying. Yeah. yeah I, hadn't, I hadn't read that yet, but it just occurred to me like that she could be pretending. Right. Um, but then Not- again, the scrolls, they haven't shown the scrolls as, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they haven't been nefarious, so... Right, yeah, well, especially this twist, right? Because in the comics, they've been nefarious, but in the MCU so far, they haven't. They've been no. really helpful in the good guys. So, I, let me go back to what you said about that being the plot hole for uh, Sharon Carter okay. and the power broker and, and her sending Zemo over to her scientists. I actually think that makes a lot of sense for her as a power broker, to do that. And, and here's why is because the scientists pretty much said that 
he um, was working on the formula and then the uh, Flag Smashers took all the samples. And so like he couldn't do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as the power broker, what use do you have of him if he can't do anything with it? And I know she was trying to get the serum back, but I think she also found out and knew that they took all the serum that there wasn't any left at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she probably set it up so that she knows that Zima would probably kill him because she knows that he doesn't want any more super soldiers. And so since he doesn't have a need for it, she yeah, probably found that as an opportunity. An right, exactly. So maybe she is more nefarious than we realize, and she's she's the puppeteer pulling strings. Right. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like I it I don't think it makes sense with everything that we see in the MCU, like why she's doing that as of right now, but it's too much of a reversal of character from what she's shown before. It is, but I think the fact that you point to the um I, I think because you point to the fact that they haven't really explained why she's doing this, I think that's probably purposeful because that tells me that probably down the future they're going to either explain why that's happening. Um and, and that's probably why they haven't really explained it is because they want to kind of leave that open for uh, like a future like movie or series or something like that to explain. But I, I agree with you. It just does not seem very characteristic of Sharon Carter to do that, you right. know, with everything that you've seen her in the MCU do. So, and of course, she plays a major role in the in the comic book story uh, with the the death of Captain America. We actually find out that she's the person responsible for killing Captain America, right? Um, and so, mm, there's, I, I think there's a lot of places where they could they could go, uh, mm -hmm. but I just it doesn't make sense yet, right? Um, in if if that were if that were like revealed over the course of the series, it would have been been better. But to like reveal it at the end and then make you wait for what may be two three years to to find out where that storyline goes that that's just that's just a hard pill to swallow. I know, yeah. <laughs> but that's you know you know every like major storyline in comics is like that. When you get to the end of like the Phoenix Saga, or you get to the end of um you know, Captain America, Captain America and the, the winter soldier, like that, that run on the comic books and the Captain America go, it goes right into civil war mm -hmm. right after civil war, Captain America dies. And then you, you realize that segues right into secret invasion. Right. Um, they always do that to you. You think it's the end of the story on the last page. They tease some figure in the shadows or whatever. And then right. they suck you in to, to the next thing. So, Right. Um, that's that's worked in comics for decades and decades, and now it apparently works for Marvel's uh, Marvel shows on television. Right. Yep. Agreed. But hey, I'm I'm stoked. Let's let's you know let's kick it up. Let's get Loki released. Let's go. I'm gonna have yep. I'm gonna have a Black Widow watch party at my house. I'm gonna like nice. you know, barbecue and put it on the the screen in the in the backyard. Maybe sit in some lawn chairs and, and just go. make a make an afternoon of it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think I think that the I think it's you know considering that we're in the position that we are in with having dealt with the pandemic for the last year and kind of coming out of it, um, hopefully coming out of it. Like I don't want to put my eggs in that basket before mm -hmm. um, they hatch, but but you know it seems like with the vaccine and stuff that we're making progress and and that these shows are coming along right at the right time that 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 we can build momentum that we can kind of get back to normalcy. And let's face it, for nerds like us, like MCU movies are are part of the normalcy of of our lives. So Right. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Well, and, and I know that um, I know everyone's been wanting that because you know last year we didn't have anything. We were supposed to have Black Widow and um, the Eternals last year, and because of COVID, they all got postponed. And so I know mm-hmm. everyone was itching for it. So when WandaVision ended and set it and set everything up for the MCU, I know everyone's just itching for it, and begging for it. And I think that's what made Disney realize that you know they should probably make sure they. You know, they postponed Black Widow one more time, but I think that's what made them realize, like, let's make sure that we get this out because if we do this anymore, then, you know, the shows that are coming out are probably mm-hmm. going to mess some things up because I, th- that's some of the theories that people are saying about um, about uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus showing up in the show. That she was that probably meant to show up in um, Black, Black Widow. Widow first. Yeah, right. I was trying to I was trying to explain that to Matt and too, that that was that was maybe why why her appearance was so like. Hey, I'm here, but you don't really know who right. I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Which I mean, it still worked, but it No, no, but because I, she's I, supposed to be she's supposed to be mysterious in nature, so Right. Exactly. Yeah. So Couldn't have worked um, better if I planned it myself. Maybe I did. did I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I think it's just, you know, Disney realizing that, you know, we can't postpone it, but people are wanting this, you know, based on the reactions and um, the success of WandaVision and everything. I think that's why they end up deciding to go ahead and release it June 9th as a firm mm-hmm. date and that we're going to release it as Disney Plus so that way we can still... It's July 9th, right, though? Yeah. Is July. that, is that what said, I said? You said June. But it's I cool. said June? I meant July. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so July 9th. So, but yeah. Now let, let everybody have their 4th of July celebrations and then the following weekend you can cozy up next to your loved ones and watch... Black Widow. All right. Well, right. hey, there's lots of there's lots of great MCU stuff down down the horizon, uh, and and we're we're looking forward to that just because we're dorks and because the, who love that stuff, but also because it gives us something to talk about on this podcast. So, right. Hey, that wraps up another episode of the Caption Life. We hope that you enjoyed listening to us. Hey, don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. If you like what we're doing, give us a shout out, tag us in your post. Uh, and for more information about us and all of our previous episodes, please visit podpage.com slash the caption line. Until next time, we'll see you. Peace out. <laughs>